Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger FM, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Daughtry with you here this afternoon. And we have a lot of things to talk about as we have a new week of the show. Got to talk about Auburn baseball's continued climb throughout the SEC and in the country as they get a sweep of Missouri and are now set for the SEC tournament against, well, Missouri again. We'll talk to Kevin Ives at 4 o'clock about that. We'll also talk some Auburn football transfer portal news. Three new Tigers this weekend. We'll go over all those guys, how Auburn football continues to make headlines in the transfer portal. Also, decision day looming for Janai Broom. So he had a tweet this weekend that caught some people's eyes. As we'll talk about the implications of him potentially returning or not returning to Auburn basketball. So a lot of Auburn topics for you. Of course, best and worst of the weekend will be a little bit later. We'll have a nightly TV guide at the end. We'll also have a birthdays and sports as always. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry again with you today. Tom, start with you. Did not see you. We did not overlap last week, but no. uh, here we are. Good to see you again, friend. Yeah, glad to be back. Uh, yeah, a couple days uh, last week down in Mobile for a, a high school graduation, and uh, back at it now. And uh, if I sound a little hoarse, I've been dealing with the uh, the old sinus crud. So uh, have you, I have too, actually. I, yeah. I had it last week, or had it last early last week i i got it uh while i was in mobile and uh it's still kind of lingering around so uh fighting that off but uh yeah i mean a lot of stuff going on in the sports world uh, another great sweep by auburn baseball uh softball gets some wins in in the uh in the ncaa tournament ultimately they get knocked out by clemson uh men's golf uh doing some great things pga championship some great stuff there uh major league baseball uh braves kind of a up and down, I guess you could say. I mean, they're still playing good baseball, but they're, you know. They went 4-2 and two last week, won both series. Yeah, well, that's true. I, I Texas, guess, I, who's yeah. leading the AL yeah. West, and then uh, two out of three against Seattle. So, yeah, so Braves not playing bad ball. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned the transfer portal stuff. Um, some new guys here. I mean, Hugh Freeze just lighting it up. And, uh, and I think 247 has Auburn as the number two recruiting class in the country right now. And so they have, they have really filled the needs that they uh, – we're looking for there, and uh, and then like you also mentioned, Janai Broom decision day looming there, and that's a big one for what's going to happen with this Auburn basketball team because uh, you know we can get more into it, but I mean his decision is going to go a long way with what this team is going to look like. So, but yeah, it's good, good week, good weekend, and uh, ready to get talking about some sports. Yeah, absolutely. And then Brant Daughtry also with us again. Brant, how are you doing? Uh, I'm all right, man. I'm doing pretty good, uh, better than I was last Monday. Uh, excited for the week, I guess. I turned 25 
on Wednesday. So uh, that's an exciting time in in, in my life. Going to head home this weekend and, and, and see some people I haven't seen in a while. But, yeah, Auburn sports, uh, it, it sucks that – Auburn softball is done. They deserve to still be playing, I think. They deserve to host, and you would think if they hosted a regional that they would still be playing, they'd be moving on to the next round. But unfortunately, did not get that opportunity. But uh, still a great season overall by far. By far the best season that they've had under Mickey Dean this far, thus far, and uh, hopefully that continues to improve next year. Uh, he, he's been a, a decent recruiter so far, and hopefully he can get some more girls in there to uh, to replace the the three or four that are are heading out, and congratulations to those girls as well on graduating. I think uh, Lindsey Garcia is gone. Uh, Aubrey Lisenby uh, played her last game as an Auburn Tiger, so a couple of a couple of Auburn players that are moving on. I think I think that's right. I saw a post with all of them, and I can't remember what exactly was in that. And I, I before I should have before I started talking about it, I probably should have looked at it if I was going to bring it up, huh? But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, a great weekend. Um, Baseball, I think uh, eight wins in a row now for for Auburn baseball. They're mm. now projected to host a regional in the latest D1 baseball rankings. Uh, so from what a season that seemed lost to ho- potentially hosting a regional, uh, looking like that is very much a possibility now, and you've got to beat Missouri in the first round of the SEC tournament. So we'll uh, we'll see what all goes on with baseball, but they're glad they're doing really well. And, uh, yeah, man, happy to get this week underway. Let's talk sports. Absolutely. We'll get to our Auburn Bank phone line in just a moment, uh, but we'll, we'll start again by talking about that Auburn baseball team. Again, a lot to get to today, but real briefly before we go to the, the phone line, uh, another sweep, another sweep of a team that was lower in the SEC standings, but still baseball, two sweeps in a row against Ole Miss and against Missouri, all the way up to the five seed in the SEC tournament, just one shy of the double by uh, portion of the SEC tournament. And again, a, a, another powerful weekend for the Tigers' bats. A, a still an improved pitching rotation that did not get the opportunity to get a full game out of Tommy Vale because he'd been dealing with with a stomach virus this past weekend. so why he did not start. And, of course, they held out Christian Herberholtz because of injury in Auburn still pieced together enough pitching uh, to, to sweep Missouri believe the RPI is up to 17. And so the situation has has ever improved for Auburn baseball. Uh, starting with you, Tom, I mean, what what, uh, what do you think this team will have to do uh, in Hoover to solidify, to become a host? Because we kept talking about they're going to have to sweep their final two series and then do something in the tournament, I, I suppose. But uh, a lot of people, I mean, they're right on that line, just yeah. like softball was. So uh, your best guess, what, what do they have to do to host? Uh, I, I think you need to at least win one. I, I think if you go I think if you go one and done in the tournament, then you may slip out of that host role. Uh, so I, you know, I don't think that they – I think a deep run could potentially get them, and I've seen this talked about, and this is what's even more amazing. A deep run could potentially get them as a super regional host. I mean, we – that's how good the ending of that season was for Auburn. But you don't need to focus on that. Get, try to get at least one win, and I think that will secure you uh, at least a home uh, spot for the, for the regionals. Uh, you don't want to go one and done. Uh, that's, I mean, nobody wants to do that in the tournament. So uh, it's, it's been an amazing run. And, uh, you know, they, they're, just, they're playing some of their best baseball at the perfect time right now. And you just hope they can keep it going. And, and we shall see. Of course, we'll talk to Kevin Ives about some Auburn baseball 
coming up at 4 o'clock. But let's go ahead and go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, one triple eight nine tiger 9 First up on the show today, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you doing? I'm doing good. And you guys? Doing well. I just wanted to ask you guys, they said uh, several players or athletes were suspended. Who were those athletes and, and what sport did they play that was suspended over some kind of scandal last week? Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, also I can hear the radio. If you could turn that down in the background, I can hear myself talking. Uh, but uh, So, uh, yeah, it, we don't know everyone other than uh, Jarquez Hunter. Uh, Jarquez Hunter was the main uh, person in that, and we've, we've yet to hit on that. Uh, on the show, but uh, they were just said that there was they, they left it vague as to any other athletes involved and, and that sort of thing. But Jarquez Hunter was at the the center of that. So it leaves us to read into what he was suspended. Is he, I mean, is this a suspension from the school? Where he can't go to summer school, no uh, summer workouts with the team, anything. Got to be away from campus. Is that what we're talking about as far as the suspension? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if it's specified. I, I think it was a university statement. Yeah, it was. Uh, so, it was. Right now, there there is an investigation going on. It is unclear exactly what happened. We know that, we it, uh, frankly, Auburn has not named any players. We just it, it is right. believed that Jarquez Hunter is is right. the the centerpiece of it. But uh, how long? It is indefinite suspension while there is an investigation happening. We we are not one hundred percent sure uh, what what the investi- investigation is about. Yeah, I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't believe that he uh, willingly participated in this scandal here. I think the guy was set up. Uh, nobody's going to, uh, in this day and time, when you got social media and, and all the platforms that you can release a video within one second before you could drink a Coca-Cola, it's all over the world. I wouldn't believe for one minute with this guy with everything that is for me talking about the future as far as uh, playing in NFL or, or, play, or finishing up at Auburn, perhaps getting in a position to win a Heisman or a Dope Walker or any kind of national award or All-American or or any kind of endorsement deals uh, that uh, may be on the table now and in the future, that ain't, I wouldn't believe for one minute that this guy would willingly participate in something like that, knowing what could possibly happen uh, if somebody got, got released. I think it was set up. I mean, people just don't realize how women, uh, you know, I remember when I was playing ball, one of the coaches uh, referred to uh, saying that women like to collect athletes. And they women do like to collect athletes. athletes. Women love to hang out when, we, when I was playing you talking about at a uh, football dorm. Women love to hang out at football dorms and collect, whether it be a, a baseball player or a track and field or, or basketball or football. That's where all the majority of women on campus are always hanging out uh, in a place like that. And, and, you know, a lot of guys got dates and went out on parties with women just because they played a sport, not because the woman actually liked them as a person. And a lot of times people lose sight of that. And a lot of weird and crazy things go on that – you know, people don't normally talk about it. And I know it's a family show, and we're going to keep it clean because I know the FCC got their rules and regulations, and I'm smart enough to know that. And, uh, you know, that's just what it is. And, and it's just unfortunate that uh, it got released uh, and everything, and some people saw it or some people didn't see it. But if anybody saw it, that, uh, you know, it was way too much. But I, I hope this young man can rebound from this and go on and, and uh, probably finish up. I would think this would probably be his last year at Auburn, uh, after this, I wouldn't think he'd be coming back next year, uh, trying to get another year in or whatnot. He's gonna have to make everything count this year, uh, this fall, as far as going to NFL or, or whatnot, especially behind something like this. But uh, I'd hope to see uh, everything work out for him and and everything, and, and uh, just the unfortunate situation. Yeah, no, it is. But but again, it's important to know that we just don't have a, a lot of facts yet. You know, it's a right. lot of uh, opinion. 
on what might or might not have happened and, and the uh, the intent behind all of that. I mean, obviously, we, we we've seen or heard about the video, and uh, you know, I, again, to your your thinking there is is yes, there's so much to lose. Why would you? Uh, do something like that, and, and that's what leads you to believe that, that he wouldn't have done that. But kids make bad decisions. They just flat out sometimes make bad decisions. So the truth is we really just don't know uh, at, at this point, and, and that's why we've, we've not really gotten into it at length yet because you know it, it would be a lot of opinions on the optics of it rather than right. actual information. But, uh, of course, we'll, we'll monitor it, and it's, it is a serious situation, and uh, there, there's just no telling. Well, I can tell you as far as being a former big man on campus, no pun intended, that uh, women will go from room to room. They don't even care when they get to a dorm like that. They'll knock on the door. If uh, somebody opens the door and want to party, they will party. If not, they go into the next room. I've seen that when I was playing ball myself. Uh, and I tell you, you would not believe it. No, you wouldn't believe it. Parents would not believe it. Uh, uh, the church wouldn't believe it. But those things happen. I have seen it and have experienced it personally. Personally and directly and indirectly. So I'm just going to uh, put it out there for you. But, guys, I appreciate the time, everything. I'm going to be calling back during the football season. We're going to have some fun. We're going to make it do what it do, and uh, we're going to enjoy this season. Y'all have a good one. Yes, sir. Appreciate the phone call, Anthony. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, this was kind of breaking by the by the end of Friday, um, this news about uh, Jarquez Hunter and uh, potentially other Auburn guys involved in a video uh, which showed sexual activity. Uh, we again don't really have the facts of, of the intent uh, behind uh, the the video if it was if it was consensual or not. Uh, a lot of things are very important and delicate to get right before we make uh, sweeping judgments of, of them. Um, and, and so certainly uh, it is relevant that the university has indefinitely suspended uh, plural players. Uh, we, we, we're not sure. We, we believe Jarquez Hunter would be one of them, but we're not sure of anyone else. Uh, again, would a, a safe assumption that football players would be involved, but maybe another athlete from another sport. I, again, there's not many facts in this matter. So, again, it is certainly relevant at this time, but uh, we don't know anything special going on behind the scenes. And so, of course, as, as information becomes available – uh, we will pass it along, but for now, we just know that there is an ongoing investigation, that there are some indefinite suspensions, and uh, it is a, a disappointing situation, and we hope that uh, it is not the worst, as the optic, optics could say it is. Uh, but again, we really just do not know at this time. We're going to take our first break of the show today, back with a lot more Sports Call right after this. to the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm i'm Corey grant former auburn football and nfl running back and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 
Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy with you here. We do have, proud to report, our Mixler going. <laughs> it is operational. If you click on the Sports Call tab on the website, you will be able to listen to us. Again, you can also listen. We have two ways technically on the website because we do broadcast through Tiger 95.9, so you can click on that link. What you hear there is what is coming across the radio. And, of course, from 3 to 6 p.m. every day, you do hear us coming through the radio, so that would work. But also, obviously, our Sports Call link, which is unique and uh, uses a different streaming model. Uh, that is back up and running. Uh, I'll be forthcoming. Uh, Brooks Childress did the brunt of the work on that. He did a great job. He's also like 12% unsure that's going to work tomorrow. So it is working today. We're going to take that one step at a time, but it is working uh, today. We'll have a, a lot on, on Auburn baseball throughout the day. Also got to get to the plethora of commitments throughout the weekend as there were three of them uh, for Auburn football in the transfer portal. A lot of Auburn topics today. Uh, as Tom mentioned, there was a, a PGA Championship this weekend, which was a lot of fun. There's a lot to do today. So with that, let's go ahead and go right back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing? I am good. I am good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know over the weekend, I know I had a busy weekend. Uh, I was watching a lot of different sports all at once. Uh, seeing, I uh, got a chance to listen to the uh, NASCAR All-Star uh, race, and Kyle Larson last night won the $1 million check, and he cashed it in. So that's a big uh, congratulations to uh, Kyle Larson and his team, and he's really done uh so much in his career as a NASCAR driver as well. Yes, he has. He's had a really good year. Ever since going to Hendrick Motorsports, he's really uh, even ramped up his career, and uh, he he dominated last night. I did watch that one too, James, and he uh, he pulled away there. And It was a little disappointing that you didn't have a close finish, but uh, I think the track mm-hmm. raced okay, and uh, as you said, $1 million richer. Yes, as well, because I was, uh, I did have Kyle Larson, uh, in my all star lineup to actually win that. So I'm very happy that I won, uh, that all star weekend. And, um, maybe I'll see the next, uh, all star weekend when that actually comes around in, uh, in next year's, uh, NASCAR schedule as well. Yeah, we'll just have to see where they go. I mean, they've been going different places each of the last three or four years and, I know there was a lot of excitement around North Wilkesboro. Again, I think the excitement was palpable. I think overall the weekend was a success, and I would love to see something be done at North Wilkesboro each and every year. The only problem was, again, the the race itself was not as entertaining as we wanted it to be, but I, I do think it's more a product of the car and how the car does not race as well at some of these shorter tracks. But I think the track itself people really enjoyed, and, and hopefully they do go back there. Yes, as well, because, uh, you know, I've seen uh, since the uh, NASCAR, um, you know, years have been going on, I've seen so many great uh, legendary uh, NASCAR drivers from, uh, you know, Richard Petty, uh, Kyle Larson, um, 
uh, it's many uh, Jeff Gordon, out, Jeff Gordon. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on because I'm a huge NASCAR fan. So it's a lot of uh, historic racers, uh, NASCAR drivers I've been looking at over the years and uh, getting to see, you know, what NASCAR has actually done for 75 years. And uh, seeing some of these great uh, tracks and getting to see the history of these tracks and uh, maybe seeing uh, what NASCAR is going to produce in the next uh, 75 years as well. Yeah, hopefully it is around for a long time to come. And again, I I watch uh, the races pretty religiously, so uh, I've, uh, I've enjoyed it a lot. What else is on your mind today? Well, I am actually going to be watching the NBA playoffs and seeing if the Lakers are going to take this game and uh, seeing what LeBron James is actually going to do because I know a lot of people out there and um, they're they're actually talking about LeBron James. He's old. He's washed out. He's not what the Lakers uh, front office is actually looking at. But I think LeBron James, I think he's going to be okay tonight. And, you know, age do come with with a lot of age comes great responsibility in uh, LeBron James, and he's uh, he's showing it as well because you know he's he's up there in age, and I think now it's time for him to actually win the game and uh, get a ring for the Los Angeles Lakers, and uh, you know trying to win an NBA Finals for this team as well, and I'm hoping that they will win tonight. Yeah, they've got a long way to go. They're down 3-0 in the series, and no team has ever come down. Uh, from 03 to win the series. And so obviously got to play it one game at a time. And I do think that they will win tonight, but they would still have to win three more after that. And again, that's just a huge uphill climb. But no, LeBron's played fine. It's not been his fault. There's just a uh, part of it's just the Nuggets are just that good. And Denver was the number one seed in the West. And uh, they've been good all year long. So obviously the Lakers don't want to get swept, but uh, I, I'm not. I'm not too surprised Denver was able to do this. They do have some mm-hmm. great players. Yes, as well, because uh, last week I was watching uh, this game. Uh, I think it was like game two when the Lakers were playing in Denver, and it was it was looking it was looking pretty good that the Lakers was that they were going to win and progress to a game uh, three. But when uh, one of the sports announcers, they were saying that the that the Denver Nuggets are a great team. They've won an NBA Finals. But after that game was over, I actually looked back on their uh, on their NBA Finals uh, history, and they never won an NBA Finals since. So I I don't know if that could be. Um, a possibility that they might win an NBA Finals this year, or how does that actually work? Yeah, no, they've never won the NBA Finals. I, I think that broadcaster either misspoke or was probably referring to Denver having the chance to win the NBA Finals this year for the first time. I, I don't think that – I remember the TV broadcast. I don't remember them uh, confusing the fact that Denver has never won. So – uh, no, they're just they're just trying to win their their first ever NBA championship. Yeah, so if if the Lakers win, that will give them a chance to actually push. Uh, if the Lakers win tonight and tomorrow, that will give them a chance to actually play either 
Boston or Miami, and I will probably see a great matchup in in the Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat. And seeing uh, LeBron James face his old team that he actually played with Chris Bosh and uh, Dwayne Wade and the rest of the team that LeBron James actually played when he was in Miami. So that would be a really good uh, matchup to see. Uh, the Lakers and the Miami Heat actually meeting up in the NBA Finals this year. Yeah, again, the Lakers have a long way to go there, but uh, we do uh, we do think Miami's going to get there as they lead Boston 3-0. What else is on your mind? Well, I'm actually going to be watching uh, the Auburn baseball tomorrow and seeing if we've got this last chance in our schedule to actually beat Missouri. I'm hoping that we'll win, and um, I'm hoping it's going to be a big win for Auburn and uh, seeing if we're going to win in Hoover and uh, seeing what Butch Thompson is actually going to do um, You know, for this last game that we have on our schedule before we close it out for the 2023 baseball season as well. Yeah, uh, we are looking forward to Auburn playing in the SEC tournament tomorrow and uh trying to beat Missouri for the fourth time. That's an interesting dynamic to play the team they just played. But if they win, they're guaranteed at least two more games in the SEC tournament. So it is a big one to get, and a lot of people feel if they can win it, they're going to have a really good chance of hosting an NCAA regional. So it will be a big game. Yes, as well. And then when this uh, SEC regional um, play comes about, I would like to see a rematch between Auburn and Alabama in the first round of the regionals and uh, seeing if Auburn would uh, knock off Alabama as well. Yeah, so they would they would very unlikely be seated in the same NCAA tournament regional. As far as the SEC tournament, uh, there is a scenario where they could play them in the third game of the SEC tournament. Uh, they'd kind of have to, they both have to win this first game tomorrow and then they'd have to have the same result on Wednesday. But, uh, yeah, that is possible in the SEC tournament, but the NCAA tries to stay away from scheduling two teams from the same conference in a regional. It does not happen too often. Yes, that's well. And then I'm actually looking at um, the 2023 Auburn football uh, teams and team is uh, if Q Freeze is actually going – if we're going to win our first game, our first – couple of games of the season which I will be at the first game in person so I'm just going to see um, who's going to actually what other commits will come to Auburn before the uh, football season starts as well yeah Auburn certainly had a lot lot of them they've uh, picked up three more in the in the past weekend I believe it's 21 transfer portal editions since Hugh Freeze got here and so Auburn has been mm-hmm. Very busy checking the boxes of all their all their team needs. Do you have any final thoughts for us today before we let you go? Um, the only final thought that I actually have is I would like to see the Lakers actually win Game Seven as well for the NBA Final. Yeah, they again. Uh, I, I I can tell you're really rooting hard for the Lakers, man. But uh, they, they've got a lot of work to do. I'm not saying it's impossible, but there's been 149 times that a team has been down 0-3, and none of them have ever come back to win the series. So uh, they've got a lot of work to do. Yes, as well, and that work starts tonight. And I'm hoping that they'll win, and uh, seeing what's going to happen uh, next couple of weeks as well. We will see, and uh, it'll be a lot of a uh, lot of good basketball to watch. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle, War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Appreciate James for calling in 
to the show right there. I'm obviously referencing the NBA playoffs a lot. As, uh, it's never happened that both the Eastern and Western Conference Finals ended in four-game sweeps, but uh, it is at least possible. It's in yeah. play. Uh, I kind of feel like the Lakers will win tonight and force a game five, then I think they'll lose in five in Denver. I kind of think Boston's dead, though. <laughs> they look dead. Yeah, they've uh, they've borderline quit, and that's not a uh, not a light accusation. I think there's reasons for it beyond just the players. But um, uh, those those conference finals have have happened very quickly, especially if these series don't uh, don't end up going back uh, for a game five. So finals starts regardless, though Thursday, June first. So uh, you might have a nice lull in the action if these series end. Uh, in game four. We're going to take our next time out. Back to the Auburn Bank phone line coming up right after this. Sports Call Crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Daughtry with you here coming to you from a uh, kind of dreary Auburn, Alabama. It's yeah. not raining, but it's just threatening to. Feels like it could at any moment. It could. It's been overcast for like two days in a row without yep. much rain, but I know some places are getting wet. But just, again, not, the, not sunny. Tomorrow's high is going to be like upper 60s. They may not even get to 70 tomorrow. Yeah. What in the world of March is going on here? Yeah, because a few days ago we were definitely in un- start, un- uncomfortable start to cook heat. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, we were in uncomfortable heat there for a few days, and uh, oven was getting warm. Yeah, but uh, cooled back off. Yeah, so yeah. now went back in the refrigerator for a day or two. <laughs> but uh, summer is soon, so I guess just appreciate the the mild weather while you have it, even if it is a little wet out there. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine. Then join us on the Auburn Bank phone line today. Let's go right back to it. Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for asking. Thanks for taking my phone call, gentlemen. Yes, sir. And a uh, late, late uh, Ward Dam happy birthday to uh, Mr. Brent. Well, it's not late yet. Yeah, He's, it's not not late. Yeah. It's a little bit early, actually. Oh, okay. When is your birthday? It's on Wednesday, the 24th. Wednesday. Okay. Then we'll do it again on Wednesday, then. Absolutely. Uh, ought to be 25. Okay. So let's get out of guys. I know you guys love uh, you always do birthdays uh but i would be remiss if you would permit me to just uh uh bring to your attention uh the passing away of to me probably the best and not one of the best running backs and a great human being as well uh over the weekend in the nfl that's mr jim brown of the cleveland browns yes sir yep tough uh, tough loss for the sports world yeah 87 uh he was a great uh, uh human being uh he's a civil rights activist um but when I saw him on the field, uh, he, was, um, he, he was a great actor. He played in some movies. I saw him in a, 
the, the dirty dozen. Uh, I'd say him and Gale Sayers would be probably the best running backs ever to have played uh, uh, in the NFL. So I just want to make a mention about him. All right. How about uh, that nice sweep uh, with uh, Missouri, right? And what a comeback on Sunday. I thought, you know, well, we, are gonna, we just aren't going to do it, you know. And we came from behind. Yeah, they had been uh, trying to work on the lead for a while and gave up a couple runs in the eighth inning, and it looked like that would have been enough. But then Auburn got ranked to work in the bottom of the eighth, and Missouri kept trying different pitchers, and Auburn was hitting all of them. And I remember there was one kid that was a lefty that threw about 20 breaking balls out of about 24 pitches, and, and Auburn just had him timed up and uh, big hits from Mike Irish, Cooper McMurray, all those guys. And, and uh, you know, that just speaks to they, they have a lot of come-from-behind wins this year. Their offense always stays dialed in, and – Again, they've gotten just enough pitching here, even with missing some guys this past weekend. So they, they've been as hot as possible. And that was without uh, the services of Mr. Vale, who was sick. Yeah, he, he did end up pitching, I guess, an inning or two on uh, on Saturday's game. But, yeah, he did not start it, and uh, he had had a stomach virus. Okay, I missed that. So he did pitch a little bit then. Yeah, he relieved in, like, the third inning. But, again, it was only, like, an inning or two. And speaking of comebacks, I think from the stats I saw on Sunday that – uh, the comeback that we had on Sunday was, I think, number fourteen uh, for the season. Yeah, it's it's in the double digits. They they've had a they've had a lot of comebacks. And enjoyed hearing Mr. JJ Jackson's voice on Sunday. How do you know he's doing baseball? Yeah, he does uh, the occasional baseball game on uh, SEC Network Plus. I mean, he he done a handful or two of baseball games this year. Obviously, that uh, that's probably the last one now that the regular season is is over. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I made sure I listened to some of his call yesterday or Saturday too. And uh, speaking of uh, the upcoming uh, tournament, uh, Philip Marshall says uh, the SEC tournament does matter more in the, the baseball, uh, uh, I guess, uh, seedings. Uh, is that right, guys? Because it didn't seem to matter uh, for the uh, uh, softball tournament. I, I I think that is that is probably opinion and perception more than. Uh, more than Not just factual. straight fact, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I would like to think it means something. I, I still advocate that it should mean something in all sports if you're able to go beat quality teams in a neutral environment. That just feels like something that is relevant uh, to adding to a resume. I again don't think it's everything, but I think it should be considered in the resume. And so, look, I mean, the reality is if Auburn can beat Missouri and they can advance into that double elimination portion of the SEC tournament, they're going to be given several opportunities to play really good competition, and that's going to help their RPI. It's going to help their strength of schedule, and if they get some of those wins, it's going to just be awesome on the resume. And so it's hard to deny what Auburn has done in the last few weeks, but if you can do it on even technically a more national stage like the SEC tournament, not that SEC play isn't inherently somewhat national, but again, when you get the conference tournament, a few more people are watching, and so if they can make noise in Hoover, you know, I, I'm not sure about the super regional bit being a top eight seed. I know that that has been been whispered about. I, I don't know if I can see that personally, but I certainly think that if they can 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 win a game or two uh, and, and get these good opportunities, that they will at least be a top sixteen and they will host a regional. How much you challenge? Do you see this being for us to play Missouri and have to beat them again for the fourth time? Yeah, it's difficult. It's this challenge. is something that, that Auburn did last year. Uh, they, they lost to Kentucky after they had just played them 
in a series that they had to play Kentucky four times in a row. Uh, you know, Missouri has been uh, fascinating, as you brought up last week, Steve. You know, they've just been awful on the road. They I, what, they ended up winning just one conference road game, uh, and this is a neutral site, so it's not it's technically road because it's not home. Uh, where they were a very competent team at home this year. I believe they were 10-5 and five at home in the SEC, which is very respectable. Uh, so, you know, do they function more like a road team or a home team in a neutral side? I, I think they would function more like a road team. But, look, it, it's going to be difficult. I think one underrated thing here for Auburn is they they did announce about 15 minutes ago that Tommy Vale will start tomorrow. And as we just mentioned, he only barely pitched this weekend. So, A, he should be pretty fresh. And then, B, Missouri didn't get a good look at him because he only threw to five or six, seven hitters. Um, so, I think that could be Auburn's saving grace if they win tomorrow, that, that Missouri's really not gotten a good look at, at Tommy Vale because he didn't have a full start. So, that might really help them out. Okay, well, thanks for that uh, encouraging news. And the game will probably start about 8 o'clock. Gosh, I hope so, but but Steve, if you if you're familiar with SEC tournaments in the past, those things just take forever and a day, and there is a chance of rain up in Birmingham tomorrow. Not again. Yeah, so I I would I would say that I I would just hope they get the game in tomorrow because the way they have it structured at the SEC tournaments, they allow for a three hour game plus a 30-minute warm-up in between games. And we know about college baseball that some of these games take longer than three hours. So it would be very well possible that even without any rain, they wouldn't end up throwing first pitch till the 9 o'clock hour. So I would just say kind of keep checking in with the SEC network throughout the day to see how those other games are progressing because, it, Lord forbid, they have a, a rain stoppage or something, then it very easily could get shoved way late at night or even into Wednesday. Oh, see it rain. You know, uh, I'm convinced that our, our softball team might have been able to pull out uh, some wins against Clemson and beating them and gone on had it not been for that bad rain delay. Uh, I mean, because they didn't get – I watched it, and they got to maybe about 11 o'clock, which is almost midnight uh, where they were at in, uh, in South Carolina. And, uh, you know, wow. You know, they just got a bad draw. But Cagle, she's one heck of a pitcher. I got to hand it to her. Uh, she's very, very difficult to beat. Yeah, the thing is, Clemson's a really good team. And, I mean, overall, Clemson is just a better team than Auburn. Uh, Auburn did get that one win over them. But, you know, you you can only pitch Maddie Penta so many times before she just gets exhausted. Uh, You know, they can go longer than a baseball pitcher, but still, that exhaustion comes in. And, you know, you just can't do that to her. And, and unfortunately, her level of pitching is – far beyond some of the other pitchers that Auburn has who are also good, she's just that much better. And, and Clemson was just the better team. Well, and I think though, the outcome might have been different had we been the host and they had played, and Clemson played us. And I say this with the facts uh, from Philip Marshall. He said that 13 out of the 16 regional hosts won their series, won their games. So that's how important apparently uh, it is to have uh, be the home team as a host in these games 13 out of 16 uh, went on and made it yeah i think the important remember uh, thing to remember too there though is that the host teams are projected as the better team like if you played those teams on a neutral field you would expect those host teams to win that's why they're why they're ranked higher and why they're hosting i do agree that home field matters i'm not trying to belabor that point i'm just saying that 
to poke one hole in that argument is, hey, those teams would be expected to win on a neutral field. And so, you know, I think if Auburn had played at home, they absolutely would have had a chance at it. And, and to be fair, they had a chance at this too. I mean, they did force the final game. Uh, but there's, it's really tough to beat Cagle, and, and Auburn had to face Clemson last year, and they had to face her last year, and it kind of. Excuse me. Is she gone? Is this her last year? I hope. I don't. You know, I don't know. I, I know that she might end up being Player of the Year in the country because she's also a great hitter. Uh, as uh, as everyone knows, she's hitting near 500 on the year with 18 mm-hmm. or 19 home runs, but. Um, I, I really don't know, and it, it should not matter to Auburn unless they have to play in another regional next year. So, uh, I, but I, I am not. I don't know. Speaking of that, real quick, guys, you know, can can they just not go ahead and not have any more, you know, regional, super regional playoffs and just hand the damn trophy to Oklahoma? No, I mean, look, I get it. Oklahoma. I mean, they demolished everybody right over the weekend. I mean, it wasn't even close. Right, but obviously we can't cancel it just because we, we're we're pretty damn sure someone's going to win. <laughs> they it. only I mean, had one loss, Brian. I know. Who barely beat them, 4-3. to three. Oh, I know, man. I And look, I'm, I'm picking Oklahoma and yeah. Oklahoma's second string before I pick anyone else. I, I believe me. I'm with you. I get it. Oklahoma should win this thing, but they still got to play it out. Still got to make sure. Again, I even if they lose, I'll say that they are the best team in the country. That would have been uh, fluky, but that's why they have these tournaments because you, 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 we operate under some assumptions. And look, I think it's a pretty safe assumption in this one that Oklahoma is the best team and that the best team by a good bit. And the but you know the number two team lost this uh, this past weekend, as you brought up with me before the show. You know, and and they didn't even win a game. And I guarantee you that was not supposed to happen either. So. Uh, you know that's why they play it out, and that's why it's sports. And and look, if we just always picked who we thought deserved to win the title based off of the regular season, then we'd be stuck in the 1980s, and uh, no one would ever feel like they were playing for anything by halfway point in the year. So, uh, well, well, most time I agree with you. And right right now, Tom, are yeah, you there? I am. I'm 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 write it down. I know you are all consistently will say anything possible. This ain't happening. The impossibility ain't happening with Oklahoma. They will win it, and it won't even be close. I, the, I, I, I would tend to agree with you for the most part, but uh, everybody is also saying that about South Carolina's basketball team. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, and because they they squashed LSU in the regular season, beat them yeah. by twenty, didn't they, or eighteen? Okay, yeah. all I'm saying they went undefeated in, in their entire conference. And barely won. I almost came back and won against uh, Baylor because I read how it happened. Yeah, uh, Baylor had to hang on for dear life. And went four to three. I'm just saying everybody was talking about Don Staley and that South Carolina team. And that they're just going to run right through the NCAA tournament. Nobody's going to touch them, and that didn't happen. Upsets happen, but uh, yeah, I mean Oklahoma is this ain't happening. Over, this Oklahoma, ain't happening. Well, and, and I I would tend to agree with you, but you never know. They got to play it out. They got to play. That's why they play the games. Okay, real quick, the guys. Uh, you know, James was talking about the NASCAR. Well, there's a dirty side to this NASCAR over the weekend. I just read for you to say today's sports. Uh, I was not aware, but Bubba, Bubba Wallace, his radio, um, I guess, channel that he has uh, for his crew, was hacked. Did you know that? Yeah, I saw something about this, this uh, or I guess late last uh, yeah, night. Yeah, a male voice yeah. was heard saying, go back to where you came from, you a-hole. You suck and you're not wanting a NASCAR. Really? Wow. I hope they find out who that joker was. Yeah, I bet they'll probably be able to determine that with 
with uh, how and technology then, works. Bob says here that he was booed by, by some of the fans. What's going on, guys? Uh, what's with the negativity towards both uh, Bubba Wallace? Well, I mean, it, it, the the negativity stems from the whole uh, pull cord thing, the the noose slash pull cord thing in Talladega. Uh, well, that had nothing to do with that. Well, that, I investigated it. Well, I know, but I mean that. But I mean, he has uh, he is he's he's just not liked by the fans, uh, and I mean, and it, and the race plays a part of it. I mean, he it that that NASCAR is an overwhelmingly white supported sport, and it's a black driver, and he raised racial issues, and it ruffled people's feathers, and now they don't like well, him. Well, there's some stupid people there who are racist. But real well, quickly, guys, we'll talk maybe maybe more about this article, and it's really scathing. It's troublesome. It comes from uh, USA Today. It's entitled, Southern California and the NCAA and Pac-12 face complaints on the National Labor Relations Board. They're being sued. Yeah, I think I saw the headline of this one, too, but I haven't read it. Yeah. Apparently, the NCAA, the Pac-12, and the University of Southern Cal are being sued by the National Labor Relations Board for unlawfully misclassifying college athletes as student-athletes rather than employees. Uh-oh. Yeah, that that would be troublesome. This has ramifications a lot. It's, uh, it's being applied to the football team, the basketball team, and women's uh, teams as well. So anyway, I thought we could get maybe more to that because uh, I read the details that this is really, really going to uh, cause some problems uh, across the board. All right, guys, thank you for your time. I know my time is way, way up. Look forward to hearing uh, comments from Mr. Kevin Ives later on. So uh, you yeah, have a safe afternoon and evening. And uh, until tomorrow, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Steve, we appreciate your phone call. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line there. Always appreciate uh, Steve for giving us a call. We only have about one minute left here in the uh, in the hour, and we will have uh, Kevin Ives on at the top of the hour. He'll preview uh, the SEC tournament for us. And, uh, again, another just big week of Auburn baseball um, ahead. Hopefully there are multiple games, never guaranteed. Again, it's such a fascinating aspect of it, too, that you, you start in single elimination and then earn the right to get into double elimination. And we, we love the SEC tournament because things just never finish as scheduled and it just gets very chaotic. And again, I think that the SEC is already looking at the forecast for tomorrow. I'm going to double-check this, but last time I saw it early this morning, it was like a 50% chance of rain in Birmingham. And I just like just the ibuprofen in Advil yeah. is already getting passed around <laughs> in Hoover. And so how the schedule might uh, play out. But uh, we will talk to Kevin Ives about the SEC tournament, about this Auburn baseball team in, in and uh, coming up at the top of the hour, again, a little bit later in the show, too, uh, we'll have some Auburn football recruiting news. Got to tell you about the three new Auburn Tigers this weekend in the transfer portal. And again, we'll hit on the impending decision of Janai Broom with the Auburn basketball team. Still a lot to, co- lot to come here in the next couple of hours of the show. But again, after this timeout, Kevin Ives will join us at 4 o'clock to talk Auburn baseball. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brant Dontry with you here on this Monday afternoon. We're now excited to go back to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally. As uh, we go to the Auburn Bank phone line, and we got Kevin Ives on here for a Monday chat about Auburn baseball. He is at AUPPL on Twitter. Kevin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated, and what a fun time to be an Auburn baseball fan. Is uh, They've been as hot as they possibly could be here the last three weeks or so. Uh, absolutely. They've been... Basically, the hottest team in the SEC. I mean, going going twelve and three um, in the back half of the season, um, finishing the season with eight straight SEC wins, um, the two against LSU, and then back to back sweeps against Ole Miss and Missouri, and really playing some of their best baseball um, of late, and really putting themselves in position. From about two weeks ago, you're playing to where you want to try to just make an NCAA regional to now. You're you're in a position where you may be able to host an NCAA regional with a couple more wins, and then you might have an outside shot at being a top eight seed. Now, there's a lot of baseball to play, but from where the the first half of the SEC season started to where they've ended up, just that turnaround is huge, and it, I think it's um, really a testament to what um, Coach Thompson has done and um, the leadership from like Case and Howell and the um, and Nate Larue and some of the other seniors, just how they didn't really pack it in. Um, they just knew that they just had to keep battling and come out week after week, and um, it's really, really been good to see and really fun to watch. And it's been some exciting games this weekend. You know, got the sweep, had a cover behind victory on Saturday, um, battled through a doubleheader on Friday, which is always kind of tough to win both games with a doubleheader. Um, and now you open up SEC tournament play, weather permitting, with Missouri again. Uh, so it'll be the fourth straight game against Missouri, but. Um, I think Auburn's going to be ready and, and know that there's a lot of things that they can do and, and that can happen, and all they have to do is win. And, and Kevin, I mean, when we look back at this, this series before we go all the way in the SEC tournament play here, uh, I was really impressed with this pitching staff again because I feel like a lot of the uh, revitalization of it over the last few weeks has been about Tommy Vale and Christian Herberholz being – uh, so good and starting to be steady in those starting spots. Well, they didn't get either one to start this weekend, obviously trying to right. protect Herbert Holes's injury and then with, with Vale having a, a stomach virus. So I just what is it about this pitching staff? I guess it's just control. They, they've found the strike zone. I mean, how has this, how's this spread down the line for this pitching rotation? I think a lot of it is control. And I think the biggest thing is just trust, just trusting the stuff that you have. 
um, and and trusting your capabilities. I mean, you look at Chase Alsop's start was huge. I mean, he did a career um, high in seven innings, had a career high in seven strikeouts, and you've seen him progress week after week after week, and that really kind of set the tone um, for the rest of this for the rest of this series. I mean, they'd open up it open up with a shutout, keep a Missouri offense. At bay, I mean, Missouri, you know, didn't really light up the scoreboard, but that has to be a credit to Auburn's pitching staff. But Missouri is a good team offensively, and they're they're a team that was able in past games to create chaos and kind of battle until the last out. But I, but you saw this weekend that Auburn didn't give up big innings, didn't give up a ton of walks, um, and really didn't make a lot of mistakes. And so they were able to kind of just play very workmanlike. Um, on the mound, um, I think it was, I, I, I got to look, I think it was like 12.1 of shutout innings, um, you know, to sort of kind of start this weekend. And um, I think little by little when guys are getting in, they're getting more confident. Will Cannon um, is a, is really good in the back end. Drew Nelson um, has really, really come on as well. And those are, you know, younger guys. Drew's a true freshman, and, and Will, uh, I think, is a sophomore. And you just kind of, you see guys kind of fitting into roles and seeing um, kind of seeing where they where their puzzle piece fits on the on the in the pitching staff, um, and it's translated to wins, and that's been a good thing. Kevin, it's never <laughs> as simple as one thing, but <clears throat> in your best guess, four weeks ago, what changed within Auburn baseball to get them to where they could go on a run like this? I think it was I think it was a couple different things. I think one of the things, obviously, the pitching staff having that turnaround is the biggest thing, and the and limiting the amount of walks. Um, limiting the amount of hit by pitches um, and limiting the mistakes and letting your the defense play. Auburn has a really really good defense and just putting the ball in play, not being afraid of the strike zone, um, I think has really been a key on on the on the mound. I mean, there's no more kind of nipping around and and, and kind of getting a feel for stuff. You're just going to go and you're just going to have your best on their best and see. Um, you've seen Auburn really, you know. Emphasize a lot of fastballs, uh, a lot of control and location. I think has been kind of the biggest thing on the mound, and then the offense really has also been key. You know, the offense has just been consistent, and that's the best thing about the offense. The offense has not really slumped, and you've, you've seen games where the top of the order may have struggled a little, but then the, then the bottom of the order is picking them up, and then when everything clicks, it's just kind of a juggernaut, and it's you know really exciting to watch. Power numbers um, from Bryson have been huge. Uh, McMurray, everybody else, even Nate LaRue, you know, he's he's come on strong. And so I think guys are just more comfortable and they're more confident. And as you win, that confidence is just contagious. Kevin, as, as we look towards the uh, SEC tournament now coming up, I, what do you think? I mean, obviously the projections right now have Auburn as a host for an NCAA regional. Uh, can they afford to lose a game and still be able to host? Uh, do they need to at least win one? Do they need to make a deep, uh, you know, a, a decent run in the tournament? I mean, where, where do you feel like Auburn's sitting right now as far as that goes? I think you you have to win at least one because, and then you have to win that opening game just because of how the tournament's set up and you've got that single elimination part set up. So if you win one, you're going to guarantee yourself two more games. And even if you lose those games, they're going to be against teams that have a high enough RPI that you may actually get a slight bump just by losing to them. Um, you know, if Auburn beats Missouri tomorrow, then they'll play Vanderbilt, um, and then from there, you know, that side of the you know that side of the bracket is kind of um, would be pretty pretty favorable for Auburn. I don't want to say favorable, but 
they're going to have good teams that are going to have high RPIs, and Auburn's going to be able to compete. But it's really going to start um, just winning that first game and setting the tone and seeing. And the deeper you go, the more comfortable you're going to feel, and then you may start to creep into that top eight territory, um, which would be unreal if that's how everything finishes. But um, if you're watching the SEC tournament, you, you kind of you want to watch some of the other games. You really want Alabama to lose. Um, I think most Auburn fans do, but you really want Alabama to lose because Kentucky is already kind of a lock as a host, even though they've kind of scuffled. Um, and that puts Alabama kind of a little bit below, at least two games below the, the win total um, in the SEC compared to Auburn. And then you want um, Tennessee to lose. Uh, because really it's those three schools you're kind of chasing for that are kind of chasing for those um, last spots. And then you kind of want to keep an eye out for South Carolina, too, because they have managed to play themselves out of a host, unfortunately. And so you got to see how they um, respond um, if they go on a little bit of a run to get themselves back in the order. Um, because right now in the SEC, you've, you've probably got the four guaranteed hosts. you got Arkansas. You've got Vanderbilt, Florida. um and LSU, and then Kentucky would make five. And so the SEC could really get two more. Um, and so now it's kind of that three-team race between Tennessee, um, Auburn, and Alabama, and then South Carolina, if they play themselves back in, um, you know, would kind, of be a, would kind of be another one you can kind of add to it. So, But, yeah, it's all going to start tomorrow, and it's all going to start with winning that first game because um, you never want to have those short trips on Hoover. One more question here on the resume, I guess, and then we'll have a couple for you on the SEC tournament. But when you're looking at resume, and maybe this is just me being scarred by the softball side of things because softball felt like it should host. It was it was not a host despite being third in the SEC because of basically not having, I, I, I suppose, the, the non-conference resume that the, the committee was looking for. So when it pertains to this baseball team, obviously it has been red hot the last four weeks. But, uh, you know, w- what is its overall resume looking like? Is, is the non-conference something that, could be a determining factor that could keep Auburn from hosting, or do you feel like they had uh, enough of a non-conference schedule for that not to be an issue? I don't think that's going to be an issue because I think you have a good mix, and really the only blemish on the non-conference schedule is um, losing that series to southeastern Louisiana and them kind of um, ending the season 25-25. and 25. So that's, that's not the best, but then you look at some of the other series, Lipscomb, um, won the A Sun, um, and so you t- you swept Lipscomb in a pretty strong ba- you know in a pretty strong baseball conference. So that's that's a kind of another um, thing to kind of hang your hat on. Took a series from USC, who really kind of turned it around. You know they're going to play in that Pac-12 tournament. They're probably going to make the tournament as well. Um, and then Indiana, you know I think Indiana is going to be the fourth seed in the Big Ten tournament, and they can go on a run as well. And so you, you don't have a lot of RPI anchors, and I think that's the, the biggest thing. I mean, Auburn did what they can um, when it comes to the schedule. They, they scheduled strong. Um, they scheduled a, kind of a good mix of, of schools, um, you know, that are kind of power five and then not, and um, really came out ahead. And I think the biggest thing for Auburn, if you're a committee and you're looking at them, is how they played – down the stretch, and that's going to what's that's going to kind of what's going to separate a team like Auburn from South Carolina or even Kentucky in some of that regards because um, you know Auburn has won you know five straight series um, 
and has really played its best baseball lately. And historically, that gets rewarded if you're if you're hot. You know, as as the season goes on, you haven't kind of um, petered out a bit. Um, those strong finishes really kind of turn some heads a bit. So right now, the biggest thing is you, you focus on Tuesday. You win that game because everything else is going to be out of your control. So the only thing you can control right now is just winning games. And so the more you win, more comfortable you can feel. Um, and if Auburn gets shipped off to a regional, doesn't get to host, so be it. They're probably – I guarantee you that wherever they go, if they end up not hosting, they're not they're, – the team that, they, that they're going to be playing against is not going to be happy to have Auburn in the regional. So um, it's definitely a thing where you just want to win games and starts with tomorrow. And with this SEC tournament, I'm curious now, obviously Auburn's got to win their first game, something they have not done in several years. They've not won in Hoover in a while. Uh, but if they do get through Missouri, I mean, you have these four behemoths that have the double buys, LSU, Arkansas, Florida, and Vandy, who who Auburn would play. I mean, is that the best situation? Just how do you like how it shook out for Auburn in terms of who they would be uh, matched up with there in the bottom half of the bracket? I like it. I like it a bit because I think where where Auburn is kind of sitting in that bracket, especially drawing Vanderbilt in the next round, is going to be a big deal um, because it's going to be a new win. It's not going to be a team that you've already played a little bit, um, and it's going to be a team that if you you know beat Missouri, which you know we're still going to emphasize that, um, you know you get that Vanderbilt game and you get that win against Vanderbilt. That's a that's a another huge stepping stone and may jump up your RPI. You know, two or three levels at that point, um, and I think just the SEC is going to be strong. It, it already is strong RPI wise, and that's why the the tournament is so important. Just winning those games um, because each one of those wins is just going to improve you more and more and more. Talking to Kevin Ives today on Sports Call. He is at AUPPL on Twitter. Last question for you, Kevin. It is a two parter. Have a little fun here. First, are you going? Are you planning to go to Hoover at all this week? And two, I'm going to make you pick a time for when this game actually starts. Do you even go with Tuesday, or are we are we saying there's going to be enough rain to push it to Wednesday? Uh, obviously, infamously slow in Hoover. So, give me an actual start time for when this thing will, will happen. I would say the first of all, I'm not going to be able to make the trip. Uh, I'm going to have to to sit this one out uh, and watch from afar. Just got to too much kind of going on with work and, and some other things. So as for first pitch on Tuesday, I do think they'll get it in on Tuesday, but it probably won't be until like 9 o'clock, 9.30 when they get it in. So if I had to give like a, probably an official start time because there's probably going to be some rain, I don't know if it's going to be enough to, to hit into those delays because you've got that kind of middle block um, where you're, they're kind of working some of the delays. So even if you have a delay in the morning, um you're just going to eat into that time in the middle when that before that third game starts. Um, I don't know. I'd probably say nine thirty. Uh, I think at the um, maybe for first pitch, and then just just wacky late night baseball again. Yeah, you just never know. And, and look, I mean, it's it's postseason baseball, so you you gotta you gotta empty the bullpen to try try and save the season. You just you just it's just so slow. And I, I look, I'm not complaining. Don't think I'm complaining. I'm just saying that that you know to estimate a start time of eight o'clock just feels very ambitious. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I agree with you. I think it'd be in the nine o'clock hour. But Kevin, as always, we appreciate the the time with us this week. We we hope we have a lot of 
of success uh, to talk about with the with the SEC baseball tournament, and uh, we'll talk after the the regional announcements, and, and hopefully. Uh, we'll be hosting and have a lot of fun stuff to talk about you about with you next week. But again, we certainly appreciate the time today. No problem. Thank you, guys. That is Kevin Ives. He's at AUPPL on Twitter, Plainsman Parking Lot, joining us today on Sports Call. Always appreciate Kevin for talking some Auburn baseball with us. And there's been a lot of fun stuff to talk about here these last few weeks. We're going to take our next time out of the show. Still got a lot to do. Still got birthdays in sports. Still got Auburn football and Auburn basketball to discuss and much, much more. Stay tuned. More sports call after the timeout. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call and Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Dontry with you here on this Monday afternoon. Again, very appreciative of Kevin Ives, who's been joining us throughout the baseball season to talk Auburn baseball with us. I imagine it was a very fun time up at the parking deck uh, this weekend, senior day, um, just the last series of the year. Yeah. Just seeing a lot of good baseball, and I guess one more quick thought here before we get into birthdays, but I, I remember – uh, it was the South Carolina series. I think it was the first series that Auburn really started to play good baseball. And you wondered aloud, Tom, if it was too little too late. Right. Um, because they only had three or four more series left, and, and they just had not shown much until that series. And, man, they I, – I, I've not seen a team switch gears that drastically. And, and heck, I mean, this is what – this eight-game winning streak – I think is the longest in SEC play for Auburn in since the nineties. Ninety five. Okay, ninety five. So since I, the uh, year before I was born was the last time Auburn went on a streak like this. And yes, the back end of it, weaker teams, whatever. But but it was precursed by beating two of the top teams in the very country um, in LSU and South Carolina, which obviously the last cu- class couple of those was. Was involved in the um, in the Renaissance there. So again, it's been very impressive. Um, now that being said, it's baseball. You got one shot to get another shot. Yeah. And Auburn's not won an SEC tournament game I think since seventeen or eighteen. It's been a while. Uh, they've had good teams. They've had teams that went to the College World Series but did not win a game in Hoover. So sometimes there's not rhyme or reason to it. But I do know that. Playing the team you just played makes it a little uncomfortable. 
Um, I do think that it is important that Tommy Bell did not throw much in that series. Yeah. That he only threw Saturday and it was only like an inning and two-thirds, something like that. Because then Auburn has someone that not only is their best pitcher, but someone Missouri didn't really get a good look at. I don't know Missouri's roster, um, but it would be reasonable to speculate that Auburn's probably seen just about everyone Missouri's got. Certainly they're better pitchers. I mean, you would think, because Auburn's circumstance was different because someone was not uh, healthy, was not not like injured, but just sick. So it was not available due to sickness, not because of an injury coming back from or anything like that. So unless Missouri has a circumstance like that, they had no idea they were going to play Auburn on Tuesday. I mean, there was there was like th- four different seating possibilities for Auburn and two or three different seating possibilities for Missouri. So there's no way that they could have known it would have been Auburn. Um, but but here we are, and, and, and hopefully Auburn get it done. We'll have more preview of that tomorrow uh, as, uh, again, uh, the SEC tournament starting tomorrow in Hoover. Again, could be a, a wet day there. Could be. May not end up happening tomorrow night. We, we shall see. Before we go any further in the show, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays and sports is presented by White Claw, or excuse me, by Max Credit Union. Two convenient locations to serve you. I don't think White Claw has two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. The Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs today. Birthdays in sports. Tommy John turns 80. Uh, former MLB pitcher John was born in Indiana, where he was a star in baseball and basketball, as well as valedictorian in his high school. was recruited to play basketball at Kentucky, but elected to join the Cleveland Indians after being drafted in 1961. He made his debut in 1963 and pitched in the majors for 26 years. Four-time All-Star and holds the third most wins by a pitcher not in the Hall of Fame in 1974. Uh, while with the Dodgers, he tore a ligament in his elbow. Later, that uh, that ligament, of course, uh, and that surgery needed to replace it would become Tommy jo- named Tommy John surgery because he never came back to play from that injury. And again, has that procedure named after him. Tommy John turns 80 days. You think they'd put him in the Hall? Just for that, you have an entire sur- you have an entire surgery named after him. And I was looking at it too. So 288 wins, and yes, he had a lot of losses, but 3.34 ERA. We we're doing the bad Hall of Fame balloting back then too. Yeah, and he played for more than 20 years, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, 20 uh, pitched the major for 26 years. 26. Yeah, that's a long time. And you, if you pitch for 26 years, you and you have a career three ERA. I'd say that's Hall of Fame worthy. Right, and I, I, I should amend what I said. I, I misspoke, but he, he did come back from that injury. He yeah. was the first it had never been done prior to him. That was the first he was the first time to ever come back from that particular uh, ligament injury. I just I again I, I have quarrels quarrels abound with me from the from the baseball writers and their Hall of Fame outings. So. We had this conversation once on the show before, but only one person ever was a unanimous Hall of Famer. In, in Major League Baseball. Yep. He went to Gerstmeyer High School in Terre Haute, Indiana, which is now Terre Haute North High School. Go Patriots. Patriots. There you go. 
He's always, he does the research. Now, this I, I dare you to do this one. Novak Djokovic turns 36 today, Serbian tennis pro. Djokovic began focusing on tennis full-time at 14, turned pro at 16. At 19, he won his first ATP title and broke the top 40 in the world rankings. He's been a pro ever since, setting several records, maintaining a top spot in the world rankings for most of that time. He holds the record for most weeks at world number one, 387 total. He's the all-time leader in career earnings. Thank you to inflation. He has won 93 <laughs> single titles, including 22 majors. He's currently ranked number one in the world in singles. Novak Djokovic turns 36 today. Roger Brown turns 55. Brown was born in Brooklyn, two-time high school All-American. Played his college years in a Dayton Amateur League due to eligibility issues. Again, dare you to do that one, Tom. And was signed by the Indiana Pacers of the ABA. He was first player to be signed by the team when it was formed. He played eight years in the ABA, most with the Pacers. He's four-time All-Star, three-time All-Pro, one-time playoff MVP, and three-time ABA champion. His number 35 is retired by the Pacers. Roger Brown turns 55 today. He said he signed to play with the University of Dayton, go Flyers, in 1960, was banned from the National a band from the NCAA and the NBA when it was revealed he was still in high school along with Brooklyn star Connie Hawkins. Hmm. All right. I think I think there was like he got involved with somebody who was accused of point shaving. Like he never did anything himself. I did research for this like a, a, earlier today and and I skipped through that part. Says Brown was never accused of point shaving. His only crime was associating with uh, Molinas, who was uh, the gambler, Jack Molinas. All right. But he signed with the University of Dayton. Go Flyers. And then uh, Julian Edelman turns 37 today, former NFL wide receiver. Edelman was born in California, where he led his high school to a state championship in 2004. Spent a year at the College of San Mateo before transferring to Kent State. Go Flashes. Where he was a three-year starter at quarterback as a senior in 2013. Broke the school record for total yards in the season, leading Kent State in both passing and rushing yards. In 2009, he was drafted, or excuse me, I don't know what year that's supposed to be, was drafted by New England where he played the whole of his 11-year career. While he never made a Pro Bowl, he was known for his postseason play, helping the Patriots to win three Super Bowls and winning MVP of Super Bowl 53. Julian Edelman turns 37 today, and those are the birthdays in sports. Presented by Max Credit Union, again, Tommy John, Novak Djokovic, Roger Brown, and Julian Edelman. Should be 2009. What did I write? It said 2009, um, but um, it, it that all right. So take you inside baseball. <laughs> it said he was a senior in 2013, so he couldn't have been drafted before he was a senior at Kent State. So yeah. I guess it would have been 2013. He was drafted in, I guess, for 2014. I, 2014 maybe I'd have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure he started with or the maybe, Patriots in 09. I don't know. Maybe maybe the maybe I got his college. Maybe the college wrong. is wrong. Maybe it's yeah. 0, 05 to 08. If if know. he led his I, he because he won a state championship in 2004. Probably did not graduate high school in 2013. Right. So 09's right about the Patriots. Yeah. 05 to 08 is when he's at Kent State because yeah. he's obviously very relevant for the Patriots by the year 2013 or 14. Right. So, right. so I guess on our Twitter feed, what do we got? Two others that were on the Twitter feed. Yeah, we uh, we had a couple more. Uh, we we have to go more inside baseball to yeah. get to that. But who who are the other birthdays? I didn't even see. Uh, Lori Markinen and then uh, Jose Mesa. Yep. Okay. They had birthdays as well. We had a lot of birthdays yep. today. 
but uh, have the bios for, for certain guys there. And take our next time out of the show when we turn more sports call right after this. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday, about halfway home on this Monday afternoon. Still a lot to talk about, however. Best and worst, the weekend coming up about 5.30. Of course, nightly TV guide will end it. But in the meantime, we have a lot more Auburn items to talk about. Um, we do have some breaking news in softball. We will save that for just a minute because we do need to get to these football portal players. But, uh, again, there's unfortunate breaking news in softball uh, to get to. So with Auburn football this weekend, three more transfers joining the fold for Hugh Freeze uh, in the form of an edge rusher slash outside linebacker out of Liberty, Stephen Sings. You got a wide receiver, Shane Hooks, out of Jackson State, 6'4 wide receiver. You might recall he's the wide receiver that had that huge sports center highlight where he's just like one-handing backward yeah. a catch that was in crazy – and then a corner from New Mexico State, Cyrus Dumas. So three more gets for Auburn. 21 portal additions now uh, as Hugh Freeze has been the coach. And the number two ranked portal class behind Colorado, who again had to replace an entire roster. Therefore, <laughs> they have a lot of people coming in there. So Auburn number two, though. Again, uh, any thoughts, guys, on particular these three? Obviously, we've talked throughout about um, the the urgency that this staff has put on, that they have checked the boxes in terms of understanding what the assignment is, unlike the uh, the previous couple of years. And, uh, again, 21 guys now in here new. I mean, that's a f- almost a full class of players if you consider how you usually recruit the, the high school ranks. So, so thoughts on the, these latest three Tigers, two on the defensive side of the ball, one on offense. Uh, so uh, I, I think the, the Steven Sings kid coming out of Liberty uh, – I think that's a good piece to have as kind of depth. But I think Hooks and Dumas are going to be guys that are going to be players um, because those are positions of need right there. Um, well, I guess secondary, you're, you're pretty set, but Dumas, has, Dumas was a really, really good cornerback at New Mexico State. Uh, if you go back and watch his film, he, he was a, a pure shutdown corner. Uh and I think he's going to be a valuable asset to that defense. And then Hooks on the offensive side of things, we've talked about how they need to shore up the uh, the wide receiver room. They've brought in a bunch of guys, but now you bring this guy in at six foot four. He's going to be a big target. You've seen, as you mentioned, the highlight reel catch that he had for Jackson State uh, that was all over ESPN. 
Uh, he was Jackson State's leading wide receiver, I believe. Yeah, 700 or so yeah. receiving yards, yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is a guy that uh, I think can come in here and, and make an immediate impact. So uh, it, it's it, it's awesome that they're picking up the these guys in the portal. It, it's awesome that they have risen the ranks in that portal class as far as being ranked number two. And uh, they've just filled the needs. The, the the areas that had to be fixed and had to have immediate fixes and, and replacements there – Hugh Freeze and that staff have gone out and done that, and I think they've done a great job of, of filling the needs with really good players. Yeah, I agree. I, I think all of these guys are going to be contributors in some way. Uh, Sings, uh, you look at his stats when he was at Liberty, he had nine sacks last year, and you're coming in that's uh, filling a position of need. I don't know how well that's going to translate to the SEC, but I, I think that you get a guy who had nine sacks at a lower level, he can come up and contribute, and you're going to need a pass rush. Everybody needs a pass rush. Uh, I, I think the – uh, the Higgs kid, or the kid from Jackson State, uh, I think he's yeah, he's hooks. You know, hooks excuse me, uh, he's he's got a lot of potential. Uh, I think had uh, some some like y'all said that highlight real catch. Obviously, uh, incredible athleticism was really good for Jackson State last year. Um, that led them in receiving and uh, touchdowns. I think so. Uh, a guy that comes in and just adds uh, adds more. I think the the transfer portal has been really valuable for Auburn football this year, and I think going out and attacking that. Uh, was very necessary. Yeah, again, the sheer numbers of it are getting pretty high, again, with the 21 guys. And, look, that's kind of the age that we live in. I mean, I'm going to say 21 this year, and then three years from now, I'm going to say, oh, 28, look at that, and then 35. And then if you're Colorado, everybody, all 70. I think I think they know? have just shy of 50. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. No. They, they had that many guys leave the program, so it makes sense you got to bring about that many back in. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the, the important part here is, again, you have to understand your needs at first. It's kind of a part of the self-assessment of can you be honest with the need, the positional needs? Can you be honest with what's working, what's not working? Because if we go out a couple of years from now and, and they're not winning as many games, well, then you yourself are going to have to look at what you've been doing as a coach or, or what kind of players you've been getting or, or your system, what have you, and be willing to change that. So the first step is, is assessing problems within the program or assessing areas of need. And now while these areas of needs are different than having to change who you are as a play caller that sort of thing, it is important to be able to correctly identify uh, problem areas. And I think this staff clearly did that throughout this offseason. They might still get a couple of kids. The wide receiver stuff fascinates me because this is just kind of exactly what I want to say dreamed. Like I was laying at like bed at like one in the morning, being like, oh, I can't wait to have these things. But this is exactly what I imagined. Uh, Auburn would be doing as far as wide receivers when you looked at what Hugh Freeze did at Ole Miss and you looked at the plethora of talented wide receivers that Ole Miss had both at the college level and guys that ended up going pro and being successful it's a complete 180 in the type of receiver that they are getting now than what they've had I mean since I guess maybe Tuberville honestly because with that spread offense that Auburn had the the style they liked they like these bubble screen guys. They like the couple deep threats. They might have one guy that could be a possession receiver, but they weren't really going for 
the the six three six four guys, long leg, jump ball type of guys. They were going for some speed, some agility, some of these other route running things. And so now they've got these bigger guys that. Uh, can win one-on-one matchups. Again, getting another guy that's 6'4 in here, and I know size is not something you usually obsess over wide receivers, but it's just so stylistically different than what they've done for a long time, and I'm excited about it because, again, I go through, I know the names of random Ole Miss wide receivers that they had for four or five years, like Quincy Adebojo, who is not an NFL receiver, but he just made some big plays in college because – they had a bunch of big-legged guys that you just were always matchup issues because they were all over the place. And so that was that is one of my hopes. I won't say was because it's not like it's been the dream's been realized right now. It's not right. like these guys have been productive on the field yet. But that was one of the hopes is that there'd be a stylistic change in what they were recruiting at the wide receiver position. Because let's be honest, Auburn recruited some really good wide receivers with Gus Mills on. But they never feel like or felt like they lived up to their potential because that's not how the system was designed right. to, to play for them. That was one of Malzahn's issues is, is for as great of a, a run scheme guy he was, he never really figured out an advanced passing arc despite wanting to get more attracted to the pocket quarterbacks later in his time at Auburn. And so I say all that say is they never – it's not that this is new talent that Auburn's not seen at wide receiver because that wouldn't be true. They, again, recruited pretty well there, but it's a completely different model of wide receiver and and I think look for a guy even though that he's going to have some clear resemblances to Gus Malzahn I think that's one clear difference in how the offense can end up operating different with with different types of personnel at certain positions and 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 look this kid obviously coming from Jackson State look that's a different level of football I'm not going to guarantee you 700 yards this year but what I can guarantee you is there's like eight guys in that room now that are all like six three six four and they're that is going to be the type of receiver for the most part that they put on that field and it's it's in my opinion it's a welcome change you're also thinking about a guy like Peyton Thorne who in my opinion when I was looking at the tape of Thorne at Michigan State was pretty good as a deep ball guy, was pretty good the more he threw it down the field. And if he did have an issue, at times he did throw into some some tough coverages, some close 50-50 coverages. Well, who's more likely to win a 50-50 ball, the 6'4", 200 guy right. or the six foot 170 guy? I think we all know the answer to that. So, again, it's not going to excuse Peyton Thorne throwing <laughs> double coverage well, yeah. all the time, but I'm just saying that I think that receiver is more conducive to what they're trying to build with this specific roster. And, again, that is one of the points that I think we get caught up on the development uh, of Hugh Freeze developing Malik Willis and, and maybe some of the quarterbacks, but I think that that other part of it, those wide receivers that they had constantly at Ole Miss – um, that is probably something that should not be undervalued because Auburn has not had a bunch of good wide receivers the last 10 years here, or last seven or eight years, post Sammy Coates and, and Duke Williams. Well, I, I'd throw Seth Williams in that in that mix as well, but I think you're right. Auburn has never had more than one big deep threat guy, a, a guy who can come in and win those one-on-one battles. I think you can attribute any success that Hugh Freeze had at Ole Miss more to his wide receivers than his quarterbacks. Uh, honestly, I, I, Bo Wallace is not a guy that I was ever extremely impressed with. Um, and I'm having trouble remembering the names of the other guys. Chad Kelly, right? Chad Kelly, that, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, decent quarterbacks, certainly not bad. But you look at the wide receivers that he had, DK Metcalf, um, the, the Laquan Treadwell, yeah. those were big-name guys. Those were the guys that I would attribute that success to. 
So in in that that style. So he's trying to get guys like that in here. Um, and everybody thought Landon King was going to be one of those guys. Well, Landon King isn't here anymore. Um, and I'm wondering if it's because there's just that many more bodies in the wide receiver room now, and they all look like him, so he he doesn't really have that niche carved out for him. So uh, maybe you see more guys in that style, but guys who are a little bit better suited to uh, to what Hugh Freeze is trying to do. Tom, I asked this to Brant last week, um, and we kind of convened around the same place for the most part. Has your perception of the ceiling of the team changed during this spring, and if it has, by how much? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the ceiling is – to me, the ceiling changed with the quarterback. Sure. Um, because I think I think he's going to be the starter. Um, I, I mean, I just don't see any way that they bring him in he's not the starter. I think that's the whole point of bringing him in. Um, I think that pushed the ceiling – uh, I, I think I've said it before. I, I without him, without a quarterback, if you were going with Ashford, uh, I was thinking that this was a six-seven win team. I think now with quarterback in there, your eight-win team, you might be able to sneak nine in. Um, there's still a lot of work to be able to do to, do to get to the ten win. I, I just don't see that happening yet. Um, but I think it does push Auburn up by at least a game. I, I think they become an eight-win team instead of a, you know, six, seven-win team. I think with the quarterback spot and, of course, adding everybody else, I think that bumps them up to easily an eight-win team, maybe nine. If, sure. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it pushed the needle. Um, didn't push the needle into national championship contention or anything like that, but it definitely pushed the needle a little bit in the positive direction. And right now, daggum, that's that's just about all you need because, I mean, this program was pretty much rock bottom, you would have to think, with what was going on. So any kind of a needle push in the positive direction is, is perfect for what Hugh Freeze needs to do right now and looking to move forward. I, I think that that is kind of the general consensus there because, you know, where, where you fall at in that 8-9 discussion is one thing. Um you know, maybe seven if you're still looking at the the sample that maybe the offense line is still just even though it's a lot of different parts, maybe it's just still not not really there. Um, maybe the defensive line as well. Um, but the thorn bit is important because again, I mean, just to I this is probably not the best way of looking at it, but I'll just start with this. You're looking at your your completed passes going up ten to fifteen percent automatically. Yeah, just period regardless of what kinds of passes they are, regardless of more touchdowns, the interceptions, all that. Now, look, you lose the rushing ability of Ashford, but a lot of that was not, you know, half of it was designed, half of it was frantic scrambling. Um, the hope is that you have an offensive line that's at least improved enough to where frantic scrambling is not going on all the time. And, and I'll tell you what, in the tape I watched of Peyton Thorne, he maneuvered that pocket pretty well. He was under duress a lot, and yes, he made some ultimately bad decisions. He also did a really good job of extending his time, though. I thought his footwork looked pretty good. And, I, again, that might seem like a little thing now, but if that offensive line is still average to below average, then it's going to be very important for a guy that's just average speed that's not that fast to be able to find a way to maneuver an extra second or two out of finding ways to pass the ball. And so I liked what I saw out of him for that. So I think that you are getting the potential for it. that alone would be worth 
a game or two. Now, right. you, you still need to see these other guys, and you need to see how it all gels together because Auburn's done their due diligence in getting new players in. But do they actually function like good SEC players? You know, we won't know all that. They didn't go right. and get three good players from, from Georgia. They didn't go get two good players from Clemson. They didn't go get a great player – you know, from Texas or something, they, they got these really good players from a lower level. So some of them will probably translate fine. Some of them might not translate that well at all. I mean, it's going to be a mix. That's why you got a lot of them. Uh, and some of them are going to be relied upon. Some of them are just depth. They're, they're, if someone gets injured, they're the third out of t- in a position that needs one. I mean, you know, so it, it's unclear how every single person will utilize. All 21 will not start, obviously. Right. Um, but I, I think that overall – They've identified correctly what they needed. It's just at this point, do they um, do they have full units where they replaced a full unit's worth of players, both on the offensive and honestly defensive line? D- did that make it better? Is it just different parts that act the same? I don't know how much if it could really get worse. You know, I mean, it may be incrementally, but. Uh, overall, they put in so many new players. There's a lot of unknown there. But the the biggest thing I was going to say that you know also pushing that needle though, it, the schedule this year sets up perfect for that needle push. Um, and we can talk more about that after the break. I know we're up against sure. it, but uh, I mean when you look at the schedule, I mean eight wins. It, right, eight wins is extremely. You don't, you don't have to. You don't start the year really with more than two automatic losses. And even then, the people will try and tell you, you know, you never can count out a home Iron Bowl, which is, I mean, on that level right. is fair because Auburn does not get blown out at home in the Iron Bowl very often. It, it's happened a couple of times when Auburn's really, really bad. But right. if Auburn's worth a damn, they don't get blown out. Again, well, I'm not favoring them, not picking them, but I'm saying even that would tell you that even that's not an yeah. absolute possibility. We're out of time here for hour number two. Stay tuned. More sports call after the break. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or, if you listen after the Fans and Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Dontry with you here. Just talked a little Auburn football on the other side of that break. Three more transfer portal additions. Speaking of the transfer portal, spent a brief moment on this. Uh, mentioned on the other side of that break that there was new softball news. It is unfortunately about the worst player movement news that you can get. Probably the second best player on the roster. Bree Ellis is hitting the transfer portal. Uh, she had a, a tremendous Clemson regional, hit a couple of home runs. Uh, of course, uh, Bree Bombs have been a, a staple over at Jane B. Moore Field the last couple of years. Auburn losing their best hitter, it appears, in the portal. Um, that's that. I again, I'm not familiar with the entirety of the landscape of college softball, but 
I would figure that's going to be awfully hard to replace if you're Mickey D and Auburn. That's that's a rough blow the day after your your season ended. Yeah, she's uh, you and I were talking about it at the break. If you were to pick the best player on this team, not named Maddie Penta, it would be Briellis uh, pretty easily. She's uh, a great hitter. Um, her her power numbers were kind of down this year, but I think she had a better batting average. So she, she's she's by far your best offensive player on a team that was offensively challenged uh, at times this year. Um, especially towards uh, in the in the Clemson regional playing against Clemson, um, the the games that you lost in that regional were because you couldn't score enough. And, and Briellis is really the one that you can consistently look to. She's ninth all time in Auburn softball in career homers, and she's played two seasons. Uh, so she's got two more. She's going. She's you know she would have approached do, Casey do Cooper in yeah. a lot of those records. If yeah, she absolutely. Played four uh, but, years. Yeah. She's, uh, you know, I'm hoping that this is kind of exploratory, and she does end up coming back. Obviously, she hasn't said anything. We're all we're we're just speculating right now. But uh, if she does end up going, that's a a massive blow to Auburn softball. It is, and and again, it's frustrating from the standpoint of that was a lineup that would have mostly been intact again next year. Yeah. They would have only lost a couple of players. Uh, Lindsay Garcia is not technically out of eligibility, but she, she would have a COVID year. But she is a senior. Uh, you know, Aspen Godwin, who didn't start every game, but but had some power off the bench, uh, is out of eligibility. Uh, Carly McConaughey kind of lost favor in the lineup by the end of the year. Rose Roach had replaced her. Uh, McConaughey was was a senior this year, but but pretty much everyone else. I mean, they got uh, they got some good production at times from Isis Tresvik, who had transferred over. Uh, from North Carolina A and T, I believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously Nellie Peralta was is still young in her career. Uh, Rose Roach overtaking Carly McConaughey, having some clutch hits at the end of the year, still young in her career. And, and I could go on and on throughout the whole lineup. But the moral of the story is, uh, they had the majority of their lineup intact, including the majority of their production. Their their two best hitters in in Peralta and Alice. And so to lose that. Uh, immediately, and of course, this is day one postseason. I don't know exactly when the sophomore portal will close, but uh, again, I, I don't know anything. But who's to say that Briellis is the only one at, at right, this point? Right, I mean, you're yeah. losing your very biggest one from the get go. M- more might follow, and so uh, that's very frustrating uh, for sure. Um, you always figure that pitchers will be incredibly interested in, in pitching for Mickey Dean, and, and I I don't know any reason uh particularly why maddie pinta would leave i I expect her to be back uh next year but um it's certainly a big blow to the offensive hopes for the team and and uh again she just had uh some of her best work of the season hitting a couple home runs including one off of valerie cagle who it's very hard to hit off of uh of clemson so a, a tough blow for auburn softball just just about 24 hours after being eliminated yeah um it's. I, I think that's something to keep an eye on, uh, as far as Mickey Dean goes, and and what happens with this transfer portal. Uh, I mean, if you start having a bunch of people bailing out on the program, it, it makes you wonder uh, what may be going on behind the scenes there. And so, uh, definitely something to keep keep an eye out on. Very shocking uh, for Bree Ellis to to leave, and I mean that's a that's a dagger. You yeah. you, you hate to lose a, a player of her caliber. Yeah, and, and we'll see where she ends up. That might give us further clarity on yeah. what's going on here because also it would not surprise me if uh, if someone's doing a little tampering either. I, look, I know we talk about in the bigger sports, no. but again, let's not <clears throat> act like it doesn't happen. Sure. Of course, Michigan State people, all in Auburn's people mentions a couple weeks ago right. when the Th- Peyton Thorne stuff was going on. 
Again, I'm not insinuating that's for sure what happened, but we do know yeah. things still find a way to happen under, underneath the table. You know, well, I mean, if Oklahoma contacts her and goes, hey, uh, one can be a Sooner. Yeah. I, I mean, we just talked about how great that program is, and they're probably going to win the national title again. I mean, do you, you know, if somebody like that calls and says, hey, come play. Yeah, it's – Tough offer to refuse. Again, yeah. no idea. We'll, again, sure, we'll, we'll see sure. where we'll she ends up. But, but yeah, if it's something like that, then again, I don't think that's a reflection on Dean. I think that's a reflection on, yeah, it's uh, the, the the juggernaut continues over there. Yeah. Uh, so we shall see. Of course, Oklahoma is who Auburn would have played if they had gotten through the Clemson Regional. Clemson will now have the opportunity to lose, to. I mean, uh, play hmm. <laughs> uh, Oklahoma in a two out of three in Norman. Also, before our next break, I want to talk a little bit about Janai Broom, uh, as we've uh, hinted at talking some Auburn basketball. Uh, this process has been fascinating because going into it would have said that Broom just realistically not a chance to be drafted. And I'm not sure that the chance has become high that he would be drafted, but if you read the reporting done by Justin Hokinson and, and the folks at On3, uh, there are some murmurings that, that the Janai Broom can't believe – that he's going to get a two-way contract at the very least. Now that might right. be undrafted. You know that you, some guys, as asked the Miami Heat, some guys are actually better off not being drafted and getting to pick where they go. Some undrafted guys get two-way contracts. So what's become kind of weirdly popular in the NBA, um, it, it's it kind of blows my mind. But I, I kind of kind of see why is that NBA teams in the second round, rather than taking some American college players, they a lot of times take some foreign players, and they do what's called draft and stash, where they draft a foreign player who's not yet ready to come over to America, but yet put their name in the draft, is eligible, but they're just not ready to go play in the NBA. So they draft them, and then they, quote, stash them because they retain their rights while they continue to play professionally in Europe somewhere or maybe in Australia, and I think it's the NBL uh, called down there. And, and so they'll, they'll have their rights. They'll draft them, but they won't be on their active roster. And so sometimes that depletes some opportunities to be drafted. And so all that to say is, some teams really do sign guys that are undrafted two-way deals, and the belief is, or at least Janai Brooms can't believe, that that is a very real possibility for them. And so let me just ask you guys this. If I tell you right now, I'm not going to promise you that I'm going to draft you, but I will promise you a two-way contract, which means 20, uh, maybe they increase it, maybe it's 50 now. You get 50 games with the big club, guaranteed and then you or if up to 50 games and then the other time you'll be at the G League team that guarantees you a contract for the full year I think two way deals something around 500 600k it's it's not a million but it's it's getting close if I told you I'm going to guarantee you that would you leave uh, I mean I think it would have to, I would have to look at in Janai Broom's case I'd have to look at on victory and say hey these guys are promising me a half a million dollars what can you do because you're going to get more exposure in in playing in college, you're going to get, you know, you're probably going to have a much bigger role. You're probably not going to have to go up and down as much. You're probably it's probably going to be a little bit of an easier path. But also, a half million dollars, I'd have a hard time saying no to that. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll be, I'll be totally honest with you. So, 
I would have to look at the NIL situation. I think I would rather play at the college level than have a two-way contract um, and have to deal with all that goes along with that. But also, I could I would do a whole lot for a half million dollars a year. What about you, Tom? I, I mean, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I you get more you will get more exposure coming back for another year than than kind of just playing in the G League. But uh, you know, if you're not a Birmingham Squadron guy, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> But but I mean I mean the thing is though I mean what kind of uh, uh, you know what kind of coverage are you looking for I mean are you looking for like the fan support and the TV support or are you looking for the scouts eyes because right. obviously the scouts are going to be watching more of the G League so you are going to you are going to catch the eye of more scouts if you're in the, if you're doing the G League well and, and well again well, emphasize two way means that you'll play some in the G League and you'll be on the NBA roster some. You right. will be in the NBA at times. Right. So, um, I, but I, I agree. I mean, it, it's it definitely, uh, you know, the NIL stuff here with uh, with on to victory, you know, is it going to be more – you hate to say more lucrative. I mean, because, I mean, a lot of times it does, though, come out of money. Is it more lucrative to go that route or is it more lucrative to come back here? So the money is going to have an issue, The you know – it's a it's a tough deal, um, and I understand why his tweet decisions 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 because it is a tough one. Um, it, you could you could go great with either one, and you could go bad with either one. I mean, you could pick Auburn, sure, That's and, why and, yeah. and get injured immediately, and then your stock just completely plummets. Ask Alan Flanagan, exactly. Um, you could choose the opposite way and go, and all of a sudden you realize that you're you would have been better off playing another year of college ball because you're not prepared for that level. Ask Sharif Cooper. There you go. So decisions, decisions, decisions. You just, you know, he, he has put himself in a, he has put himself in a better spot with the NBA with um, showing out in the camps and uh, the call up um, to the, uh, not combine. Yeah. Uh, NBA it combine. was the yeah, combine. NBA combine. Um, I mean, he, he's done himself a lot of favors. He potentially have made himself, you know, a good bit of money. So uh, it's tough, man. I mean, that's that's not one of those uh, before before all the G League stuff. I would have said no. He absolutely needs to come back to Auburn, but he has shown that he can do stuff at that elite level. That you almost kind of wonder, you know, do you take the money and run and go ahead and just start your pro career? Now, as an Auburn guy, I want him back because I think that's sure. going to be devastating Absolutely. to this team if you lose him. And we'll talk about that implication again in a second. I, I think of this, and maybe forgive me for the, the business major background I have, but I think of this in terms of stock. Do you sell your stock high if you're Janai Broom, or are you trying to continue to build the portfolio? Right now, Janai Broom's stock has never been higher. He was not a draft guy no. uh, at, at Moorhead. He comes to Auburn. I don't think draft. To be fair, there's not a lot of big guys where draft is on the radar uh, from the from the word go because the NBA is becoming so guard and wing heavy, and and the skill set for the NBA for for big men is is so weird right now. But it was not on the radar to be a draft guy. He then enters this process because why not? You get the opportunity to do that twice with no penalty. It really does not hurt you at all. You get to get valuable feedback, and maybe you get a huge bump because you play really well and it's surprising and, and all of a sudden people are interested. And that's what's happened with Janai Broom. So it's a tough decision because you can argue that he, his stock in the NBA eyes may be maxing out right now. There's a chance 
that he never gets seen this favorably again because of what you said. There could always be injuries, but even so, if he comes back to Auburn and he still and he doesn't hit jump shots or he just fouls on the time and he and and, and, and a variety of things that happen that don't allow him to have a better season than he did last year at Auburn. Well, then that stock's not going to get better. And he's going to say, man, if I wanted to play in the NBA, that was my shot. But the flip side of it is, if you continue to build the portfolio, you, you go that side of it. Imagine if he comes back and he does hit a jump shot consistently. Shoots 35 38% from three next year. And he does play controlled. He facilitates well, defends the rim well. Then all of a sudden you're looking at all the skill sets that they kind of look for in NBA big guys where, okay, can he defend the rim? Yeah, he's a little small, but he's really adept at blocking shots. Oh, he can now stretch the floor a little bit? Okay, that's great. Oh, he can set good screens and roll and make good decisions off of it? Oh, that's great. So there are things that I can still make a case for that he can improve on. Now, he's never going to jump out of the building. Okay, He's never going to have incredible athleticism for his size. Um, and, and he do, is a little on the slower side. But, again, he is a big guy. He does not have to have the skill set of a guard, but can he perfect the things that big guys are able to control, again, like stretching the floor, like being a great rim protector. So I think it's an interesting decision. Now, from Auburn's standpoint, again, and we brought this up in the past, now they get a good get last week. Uh, Mazar out of out of uh, JUCO and out of uh, New Mexico State Duquesne, but again, if you lose Broom, you have to. It is not arguable. No. You have to get another center, and I highly doubt you're getting anyone close to the caliber of Janai Broom. Um, you can get someone improved from Dylan Cardwell, but if you get like twenty percent better than Dylan Cardwell to start at center. What does that do for you? That's a huge step back. It's still a step back, a pretty clear one. Um, it's a it's a difficult decision because we all want these guys to thrive. We all want these guys to have more visibility in the NBA. The the end goal here is hell yeah, we want Janai Broom to end up playing in the NBA. That's going to be good for Auburn. It's going to be good for him. You know that's 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 all all the way around good. But the problem is for Auburn right now to succeed in basketball, to have the year they want to have next year. Janai Broom is a very important yeah. part of that puzzle. And so it, it adversely affects Auburn's capabilities next year. And we would I'm not going to slap a ceiling and floor on a team that would then be looking for a center. But I can tell you it's going down. The ceiling's going down, floor's going up. Or, excuse me, floor's going down too. They're, they're both going down. And so I, I – I want him. It's such a delicate situation because you want him to succeed, but at the same time, you want to protect what Auburn's team can be next year. And on the heels of a team that just couldn't quite ever get to the level it was trying to get to, it just kept flirting with just just being good enough, just being good enough. You know, you really want to have a, a, a rebound next year. You don't want to fall back into. All right. Well, I shouldn't say fall back into because pre-Bruce Pearl, this team for 20, 15 no. to 20 years was had nothing to fall back to, not even the NIT. Uh, but you don't want to fall from a standpoint of, okay, there's real momentum to be a, a top 10, top 15 team year in, year out to, all right, let's just try and make sure we make the tournament. You don't want right. that to slide into that expectation. And to be fair, Bruce Pearl's really entire time coaching college basketball from Tennessee on – 
that was not if the expectation was better than that the expectation was to be a top 10 top 15 team and compete and try and make a run in march and so um that would be a disappointing step back for that team again he's got uh, janai broom's got till may 31st so it's this week or, or early next week where the decision will be made and again it will be a big one and that's also why i think auburn at this point obviously they still want to hear from lawrence at vanderbilt Torin lawrence at vanderbilt but i think more than anything auburn probably just wants to sit and hear these decisions first because they need to know if they're going to have to use a scholarship on the center or not because Janai Broom comes back to Auburn. They will not be using a scholarship on a center. If Janai Broom opts for the NBA, they will absolutely need to use a scholarship on a center. So uh, an important 10 days here for what the outlook for Auburn basketball might be heading into the 23-24 season. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we'll get to best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. To sports call Tiger 95.9, Ryan Lavoy, Brant Dontry, and Tom Peavy. Only about a half hour left in the show today on this Monday. Uh, a lot happened in the sports world this past weekend, some in the professional ranks, and uh, of course, we try to hit on all of it. And one of the best times to do some of that is when we get to best and worst of the weekend here each and every Monday. So let's get to it with Sports Call's best and worst of the weekend. Now time for the best. Woohoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. Best and worst of the weekend. Who who I'm trying to read your body language. Who's ready to go between Brant and Tom? <laughs> I'm not ready to go. I'm telling on myself right now. Who would like to go first? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to – I'll give the best. I mean, my, okay. my best was Auburn baseball. I mean, just continuing the hot streak. I can't sit there and say it was the pitching. I can't say it was the hitting. It's just – it has been consistent play, uh, consistent offense, consistent pitching, consistent coaching, just all-around good baseball at the exact right time. And uh, to, you know, put yourself in the situation – into the position that they are with this this run and getting that sweep. I thought you would take my best, so breathing a sigh of relief. Brant, please don't take my best and, and I, go for it. I doubt this is going to be your best. Um, so I, I know that I've said a couple of times on here that, that there's a personal goal that I'm pursuing, and Ryan just kind of pumps his hands because he knows that it's not I, his. But I know I know what your best is. This is yeah, a great best. Yeah, this is a – so 
Um, I've been trying to get into graduate school at Auburn for more than two years now, uh, and certain things have gotten in the way, both academically and financially. And you know, it's been it's been very much a wild goose chase um, pursuing a master's degree. But on Friday, I finally got the news that uh, financially everything is as it needs to be. I've been accepted, um, and I'm going to be able to start pursuing a master's degree in the fall. Let's go! Congratulations. That is, uh, like I said, just a, a white rabbit that I've been chasing for <laughs> probably three years now, probably more than two at this point, probably a, a full three years. And to, to finally, everything to fall into place like it needs to is, uh, it, well, it's a weight off my shoulders, but now there's this new weight of, oh crap, I've got to earn a master's degree. <laughs> so I'm about to start heading back to school, but uh, the, the fact that I get to do it is, is pretty cool. <laughs> Gotta get that I applause. I didn't know we had that. That's cool. That's cool. I, I think I asked this question about a year ago when JJ and JJ and I were on a show together. How many sound by, sound, how much how much is on that soundboard that we just don't ever use? I know I know there's a best of shadow compilation on there well, somewhere. If you looked if you looked at how many there were on were on here, you would think overwhelming <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot on there there's a there's lot. a lot there's approximately 20 ish um and some of them have to do with segments that we just haven't done uh you know we've done did sports call trivia in the past uh jj sometimes did the are you smarter than a fifth grader so we yeah. got like that theme on there uh there's there's all kinds of things um that are both short and a little bit longer themed. We've got the masters theme on here. I remember the masters for, for theme. Brooks to talk softly into the mic about pimentos and cheese. Yeah. Uh and Jim Nance. But uh yeah, no there's a lot of stuff on here and uh I should play it randomly like just in the middle of a big point that you're making about I don't know, Auburn football and I just go <laughs> Stop. You know, that's a ref whistle. I'm calling, I'm calling, throwing a flag here. But um, that is great, Brant. Um, we were excited to hear that in the office middle last week. I can't imagine how you feel after that's a long time to be Ugh. pursuing that. And yes, you're going to have some rough assignments, and, and there's going to be moments where it's like, what in the world? But that's seriously such a big deal. It, 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 it eventually is at some point just doing the work, and I can do that. I have done that before, so I know, I know that I'm capable of it. It's just, you know, finally everything. Yeah, Fine. everything going the right way is yeah. uh, is quite the relief. Yeah, that's a that's a great best right there. So my best is not personal, uh, but it is a cool story in the sports world. I really thought Tom might take it, but uh, as of this time last week, if I'd said the name Michael Block to you, ah yeah, <laughs> would that have made any sense whatsoever? I just put a a name with a shape or with with something that uh, you play with. You play with blocks. And so Michael Block this week was in the PGA Championship. He was the one of the club pros that when you – the PGA Championship's great about these PGA professionals that work at these various clubs around the country that offer golf lessons and just – they're the PGA pro of, of that club. Um, you get the opportunity to qualify for the PGA Championship if you're one of those, one of those club pros. And, and Michael Block qualified for the PGA Championship this week, but he did something much cooler – than even just that. Michael Block not only made the cut, not only one lowest uh, professional yeah. player, he finished tied for 15th in the PGA Championship this weekend. 
He had a special moment throughout the weekend, A, playing with one of the guys he's loved for a long time, Justin Rose, on Saturday, but then playing with Rory McIlroy on Sunday, had a hole-in-one. Yeah. That hole-in-one combined with a fantastic up-and-down on 18 after he was way left in the crowd, got a par putt to drop. That par putt was the difference in him qualifying for another PGA championship. He will be in the 2024 PGA Championship next year and due to I don't know just the the huge support and 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 love pouring in there was a special exemption for him ready for next week's Charles Schwab challenge sponsor exemption um, where you have uh, sometimes a couple spots remaining and so the PGA Tour invited him uh, to the Charles Schwab challenge next week or I guess this week um, for their next PGA Tour event also Michael Block took home a cool two hundred and eighty-eight thousand dollars, which uh, which doesn't doesn't hurt either. Uh, but what a great story for a guy that's in his mid forties. I mean, like this is one of the last chances. Basically, you start to even as a golfer, you start to decline around this age. Um, and, and what a cool story amidst this really fun tournament, which was was won by Brooks Kepka. Uh, Michael Block hanging in there with all the greats of the sport playing just around even par golf throughout the tournament, qualifies for another PGA Championship automatically, and gets a special sponsor invite uh, to this week's golf tournament. Really great story, uh, and it was a lot of fun to watch uh, Watch Michael Block just kind of humming around the course, not hitting it near as long as some of these other guys, just shaping shots, making putts, playing just good golf, and uh, great story for Michael Block. I hate that we had such good goods because now we have to go to bad. <laughs> but guys, what's the what's the worst of the weekend? Oh man, um, I, I good guess start. I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess huh. I, it I was guess, a good weekend. It, it was a good. Well, I mean, I, I mean, Auburn softball getting knocked out uh, of the regional. I, I mean, that that's not good. So, uh, yes, that'll have to be a worse. I mean, you would have liked to have seen Auburn keep playing, but. Uh, so so as it goes. So yeah, that's my worst. Fair enough. I think my worst is going to be, and I think this was actually proved earlier today, but it happened before the show. So I'm counting it as part of the weekend. Um, the NFL has approved flex Thursday night scheduling, so teams without warning will now be asked to play on a four days rest. So, uh, but is it is it four? Is I think you still it's a week and a half before, right? Isn't it? Uh, isn't it? Or is it really flexing? I, like, I think I think four it days. is flexing four days and not eleven. Yeah, I think so. I, I could be wrong about that, but I, I think they're double. going to ask guys to play on Sunday and then turn around again and, and play again on on Thursday without Ooh. without knowing. I think I think it I think it has to be a week in advance, but still, that's well. So what rough. a week in advance be again if they're they're not going to know. It's not going to happen on Sunday. Hey, guess what? Now you have to play. Right. On Thursday, they're not going to learn on gotcha. that Sunday, but they are still going to have you know not long enough to prepare, in my opinion. Gotcha. It's, which I, oh, I, I, I hate the idea of playing on Sunday and then on Thursday anyway. Gotcha. Okay, I was thinking that you were saying that it was at like Sunday night is when they would decide the schedule no, for the next no. week. And yeah, I think everyone would have a cow about that. Now, I think most people are with you on the Thursday night thing. I don't know if I'm a huge fan of either of flexing Thursday period either. I'm fine with Thursday night football. Yes, I'm not. I don't live under a rock. The the product is not as good. Um, and then there are 
I, I, there's reasonably there's more injuries too uh, leading up because of that, which is a problem. And if that is if that is real, that is a problem. Uh, I don't mind Thursday night games in general, though. I think it also gives credence to they really need to consider having two bye weeks. Yes. Um, in the NFL yes. during the the course of the 17 game schedule. Because I think if they did that, they could very easily say either on one end of this, there's going to be a bye week guarantee to Thursday night teams. And I think a lot of people uh, would feel at least better about that. But, uh, yeah, that that is it – is, it is a clear – there's a clear chasm between what the NFL players want there and, and what the what the league wants in those, uh, in those Thursday night games. Uh, my worst of the weekend – uh, I, I, I struggle with this. Uh, I, I, none of these are really that deep, so that's fine. We don't have to get deep every time we get dark. You know, it just it's fine. <laughs> um, I, I further affirmed this weekend that I really hate the next-gen car for NASCAR. I really, I really loathe it. Um, North Wilkesboro, again, the backstory, James kind of brought this up. Last time they had raced there in, in NASCAR was 1996. Jeff Gordon won it. Uh, that was the year I was born. So I've never seen a race there. And consistently, I watch so much NASCAR, Xfinity, Truck, even. Uh, our guy, our Auburn guy, Brett Holmes, running full-time in trucks this year. The, pro- the, the actual racing is better in the lower series of NASCAR than the actual Cup Series. Yes, the drivers are better. Yes, there's some calamity involved in, in the lower circuits, but the actual ability to race a car and get a lot out of it or get more or less out of it is more existent in the lower levels of NASCAR than it is at the Cup Series. And at North Wilkesboro Sunday night, we had this great show of an all-star race where it's, it's so meaningful to go back to this track, one of the roots of NASCAR, a lot of people excited about it. And I thought as a whole, it was still a successful event. I want them to go back there. But the race did not end up being great because, again, I, I can't. I want to ask someone from NASCAR this and get them a little agitated. Why is the rear diffuser making it so impossible for cars to get close behind another car? Because you just cannot get up to someone and hold your car. Now, it was a little better at North, North Wilkesboro, but that this has been a problem at every track where if you follow someone, unless it's a plate track, if you follow someone, you, the car behind, will lose the air and you will get tight and you will drop back. And it was never that way until this car. You could pull up close to somebody. If anything, you could disrupt their air and maybe get them a little loose and a little out of, out of shape. And it's just not a good product. And it's certainly not a good product on the tracks that were always good. People always love Bristol. People always love Martinsville. You would love a .6-mile track like North Wilkesboro because, again, the proximity of it. And this car is taking away from the enjoyment of of this close proximity racing. So my worst is just the continued nature of of this car not performing well on tracks that um, should be set up to perform well. And it was such a great event as a whole with the All-Star Race. But again, I hate how it played out with actual on the racetrack. And again, it's not even about Kyle Larson winning by several seconds and pulling away. That is plausible. That can happen. 
But again, it's just so difficult to pass anyone in this car that on a short track, you basically just have to ram them out of the way and uh, you, you can't actually kind of work and set someone up. So anyway, the product of NASCAR, again, getting very frustrated. It's probably been my, my worst like three times this year out of like 14 races. So it's been uh, been pretty frustrating. One final timeout of Sports Call. We'll come back to wrap things up right after this. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. few minutes of sports call today here on tiger 95.9 ryan lavoy tom pb and brant dontry with you here a couple minutes left in the show real quickly before we get to the nightly tv guide guys your thoughts real quickly uh, a braves dodgers series starting tonight uh, which means one freddie freeman back in truist park again i don't think the emotions would be quite as high as last year because they really couldn't have gotten any higher uh there was clear sadness in the air uh from kind of everyone involved but um well i mean what do you guys think of when you think about this series uh i'm more concerned with whether or not the braves can win it i I think freddie's kind of had his moment coming back home i think he'll probably get an applause in his first at bat but i I don't know if it's going to be the the tearful reunion that it was last year um i actually had the pleasure to go of to uh to game two of that series last year and it was still pretty emotional uh even in the second game but um, I'm I'm more concerned with can the Braves win it, and I think that's where most Braves fans are. I think Freddie is kind of he'll pop up, and you go, "Oh man, I wish he was still a Brave." And then you go, "Well, we have Matt Olson, who's kind of a younger version of him," and uh, everyone will just be okay with that. So I I think it'll go a long way in figuring out how far can these Braves go without the starting pitching that they're missing right now with all these injuries. How well can they do? Uh, with with the injuries that they're dealing with right now, and I think go, playing a team as good as the Dodgers will go a long way. And the uh, what am I look what word am I looking for? Figuring that out. Figuring that out. That that works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Determining that. Determining. Yep. That's it. That's it. Thank you. My goodness. It's that D word. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be a tough series for the Braves. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's just, it's going to be a tough series. I, the the injuries are going to eventually start having an effect, I believe, um, just because you're down, you're down some pitchers. But uh, yeah, hopefully they can kind of keep enough offense going and and stay in these games a little bit. But I mean, Dodgers, it's going to be tough. But yeah, it's not going to be the same heartfelt thing that we had last year when Freddie Freeman made his return to Atlanta. It's still going to be it's weird seeing him in a Dodgers uniform over there, but. Uh, I mean, I think it's already passed. All the emotions are gone now, so just time to play baseball. But it's going to be going to be one of those kind of to see where the Braves really are with upper echelon of the National League. 
Dodgers have been hot recently, although the Braves still with the best record in the National League, uh, just barely tied for the third best record, I believe, in the major leagues. A couple AL teams uh, playing really good baseball right now. And, uh, yeah, Freddie Freeman having another solid season, hitting right around 300, as he often does. Another minute or two left in the show. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tonight, 620, it is the Atlanta Braves and Los Angeles Dodgers on Valley Sports South. First of three, all games can be heard also on our sister station, 1230 WAUD. More Major League Baseball, 630. San Francisco Giants at the Minnesota Twins. That one's on FS1. In the National Hockey League, Game 3, Carolina really needs it, but they go to Sunrise to face the Florida Panthers. That one at 7 o'clock on TNT. Again, Panthers leading that series after two overtime winners. Lead the series 2-0. Brooks once again admitted it. I will not allow him to do so. 7.30, the National Basketball Association, (laughs) the Los Angeles Lakers, and Denver Nuggets. Game 4, Nuggets can shockingly sweep the Lakers in Crypto.com Arena. Please call it Staples Center again. I know it's not how that works, but it's just disgusting to say that. Uh, but the Lakers trying to get off the schneid, trying to extend that series. That's, again, 730 on ESPN tonight. And a couple movie picks, 6 o'clock on Freeform. you got The Waterboy starting Adam Sandler. And 7 o'clock on FX, you got The Amazing Spider-Man, again, starring Andrew Garfield. Loved how they did the most recent Spider-Man movie when Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire Spider-Man uh, came came in there. Perfect ratio of current Spider-Man to older Spider-Mans. Where I agree. Their stories made sense, but it's still Tom Holland's, and it was just I could gush over that movie. That's Sports Calls Nightly TV. The movie's guy. fantastic. You know who else is written for the Lakers? Uh, James from Montgomery. Well, that, but TV execs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> they they do, but they don't matter. I mean, they do, but they don't. Uh, and I don't care. And I want the Lakers going to be in the finals or the Denver Nuggets. Hmm. Yep. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Denver is going to be in the finals. It's I believe. Maybe not tonight, yeah. but by the end of the week. That will do it for the show day. Brant, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And Tom, thank you for being here. We'll see you again tomorrow. Absolutely. And of course, we thank Kevin Ives at AUPPL on Twitter for joining us on the show today. Talk some Auburn baseball and as as always. We thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LeBoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.